0: lesson that should have taken me an hour to teach, so hopefully we can jump into it and get through some of this. I know the last time we started to teach, I didn't even touch the notes, so that's just kind of how things go sometimes, Um, but that's all right. The Bible tells us that we ought to follow peace with all men in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which... Everybody say, without it, we can't see the Lord. Do you believe that today? It's what the Word of God tells us. I hope that we believe this. I do know that uh, holiness is the singular most descriptive term and characteristic of God. He said that we ought to be holy for one reason, and that's because he is holy. I want to be holy like him. Amen. Only God is holy in and of himself. You say, then how can we become holy? Well, it's through his spirit that makes us holy. Um, I've taught before and, and I'll continue to teach the fact that we need the, without the Holy Ghost, you cannot become holy people. Without the Holy Spirit, you cannot become a holy person. It's impossible because we, in and of ourselves, the scripture tells us, we are not righteous. There are none righteous, the Bible says. No, not one. Not in mankind, but he is. And he's the one that makes us and calls us and, and reaches for us today. Amen. Only God in and of himself is holy. When the word holiness is applied to persons or objects, typically it refers to to that which has been separated or set apart unto God. In fact, the word holy, in simple terms, simply means set apart. That means he's taken you and said, hey, there's, there's stuff over there, and I see something good out of it. How many of you have been cleaning your house, and you found a junk pile? But in the midst of that, you found a treasure. And you know somebody's going to come later and clean that junk pile out and get it out of here. So what do you do? You grab that treasure and you set it apart from the junk so that you can keep it and you can clean it and you can put it where it needs to be. Right? That's what God's done with us. I'm not calling other people junk, all right? I just want you to understand when God looks in this world, there's a reason he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He did it because he saw value there. And he said, hey, you're mine. I'm going to take you, and I'm going to set you apart from all of that other stuff. All of that filth, all that nastiness, I want want you to come out of that. Come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. You say, well, separation's hard. Well, yeah, it is. But I can promise you this much. Separation unto God is is a beautiful thing, and it's a a blessed thing. And when you learn how to live a separated life, people are going to notice. They're going to know who you are and what you are. You know, people have a hard time. It's become more common of late, but people have a hard time accepting that a man is a particular if you, fu- you run into a cop who's un- undercover, he doesn't, have his, he doesn't have his garb on. He doesn't have his uniform on. And he comes over and he starts trying to put handcuffs on you without showing you who he is. You're probably going to have a problem with that. I know I would. I'll tell you, uh, here a while back, Brother Blake, you sent me a message about somebody that had escaped, uh, a kid that had run away here a while back. And they had, they had undercover cops roaming this area. Well, that day, that Sunday, before he had sent me that message, I had gone out the back door here and I left it unlocked. And all of a sudden I got an alert saying, hey, somebody's at the church. And they came through that door. Because all the other doors tell me when they're open. That one doesn't tell me that it's open. And I looked at the cameras, and it was just a guy just dressed up, just like a normal, everyday person. And I was upset. I called the sheriff's department. I said, hey, there's somebody in the church. And as he was leaving, he should have done this before he came in the building, but as he was leaving, he saw our camera out front there, and he flashed his badge in front of it. I said, oh, okay. They're just looking. They found an open door. They're looking for the kid. I'm not upset anymore. But I didn't know on the inside, by profession, by by what he does, he was a cop. He was a policeman. But I couldn't tell he was until he identified himself. I don't believe that that's how we should be Christians. I don't think there should be any undercover Christians, folks. We ought to be proud of who we are. And when we run into somebody out there and they ought to know there's something different about this person and they ought to be able to say, hey, that's a Christian. And I want to be like them. Not the other way around. I've heard some folks say, well, if that's what being a Christian's all about, I don't want anything to do with it. My friend, we've put a bad spin on Christianity if that's the case. Amen. I know a lot of, crazy people that claim to be a Christian. I understand that. But it's up to us to show them what Christ really was like and is like. Because he's still roaming the world through each and every one of us. He's reaching the lost through each and every one of us. And so we've got to make sure that we're showing who he is. Be ye holy Why? For I am holy, he said. How are they going to know that he's holy if we're not acting holy? Well, glory to God. That's later on in the lesson, okay? We can't be holy by our own works. We cannot make ourselves holy. We can only become holy as we submit to the Spirit of God and the Word of God. How do I become holy? Uh, In fact, there's a... Whole entire um, denomination that their whole idea is the fact that, look, you can't be saved by works. I don't have time today to dig into this a little bit more, but we will eventually get into it, okay? Just ride with me. Throwing some little um, uh, flashy bait out there just to get your attention so that. When we start getting into it, you'll know, hey, we're going to be talking about that. And he said he was going to talk about this. So hopefully I'm wetting your appetite to have a little bit more of this. But you got to understand, the Scripture does tell us that our works, not, uh, can I, let me, let me step back and say this. Your works, as in what you as an individual can do, is not going to save you. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, guess what's going to happen? He's going to cause you to do some stuff. He's going to cause you to react to His Spirit. And that's going to cause you to begin to apply some things and do some things in your life. But it's not as of works of our flesh but it's works through the Holy Ghost, what the Bible tells me. It's his works that we're going to be known for. And we've got to be known for his works. Not, not, not just, man, that's a good person. Look, I don't want them talking about Pastor Brandon Hilton. I want them to say, hey, that church on the corner of Jingo and 399th, man, you should see the glory of God come into that place. Has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with our desire, Brother Blue, to seek the face of God and to see his glory like never before. Moses said to God, he said, look, show me your glory. And God said, well, you can't see my face, but I'll show you everything on my hinder parts. And many people, I've said this before and still stand with it, but many, many believe that, that at that moment is where God revealed creation and all of the things that Moses wrote before his time. God showed him those things. In that moment, when God put him over here on the cleft of the rock, he said, all right, I'm going to hide you over here as I pass by. And then when I come by, you're going to see. See, the hinder parts of God, it's, that's the past. The front side of God, that's the future. We're not, we're not to know the future. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, he said, we are not to know the seasons or the times that his father has put into place. We're not to know those things. But one, two things we can know. We can know the past, and we can know what's happening right here, right now. We ought not get so hung up on the past that it hinders the here and now. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have foresight into what you long for in the future, but for you to say, I know of a surety this is going to happen in the future, that's only up to God. I have goals. I have aspirations. I don't look to be sitting in this church for the next 10, 20 years. I look to see God build another building because we need more seats, because more people are seeking after God. Look, this world's getting crazy and crazier and crazier. And I can tell you this much. The crazier the world gets, the more people are going to be stirred up. And we're going to have an influx of people come into the church the next time something big happens again. And guess what's going to happen? As things begin to normalize, a good portion of them are going to go away. And then another live catastrophe is going to happen and the churches are going to fill up. I'm not just talking about our church. Everything's going to normalize again. It's the ebb and flow of the tide, folks. It's just how it works. I hate it that mankind's that way. I wish I could save every single person I ever talked to. I wish I could. I wish every person that walked through the back doors of this church would still be sitting on these pews today. But I can tell you this much, God touched them. They have felt the the drawing of his spirit. And there's nothing in this world that can replace that. And one day, hopefully it's not too late, but one day they're going to wake up and realize how desperately they need God. Not how desperately they need Pastor Hilton. Not how desperately they need the saints of the church, but how desperately they need God. We need one another. But first and foremost, I need God. I need my brother and sister to help me stay on track. Amen. Born again Christians, uh, for each and every one of us, holiness specifically refers to separation from sin and the world. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse 17 says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will... Receive you. In our Christian life, holiness is obtained by denying our fleshly desires and taking on the nature of Jesus Christ by submitting ourselves to the Holy Ghost. That spirit that's inside of us ought to drive us to want to be like Him. It is only through the submission of our own nature to the nature of of the Holy One, that we can become holy as God is. Now, the objective, what is the objective of personal holiness? Glad you asked the question. The objective is simply this. Let me ask you, what is the definition of a Christian? To be Christ-like. And how do we become Christ-like? Yeah, that's exactly right. However, it's, it's almost just a play on words in my mind, but to be Christ-like, it's very simple. You got to be like Christ. Did Jesus spit back at his, his uh, aggressors? Did he slap them back? Did he scream and holler at them? No. In fact, he told his disciples he practiced everything that he preached to his disciples during that time. Are there some things that you can think of that Jesus taught his disciples during his his time on earth that he practiced at that moment? I'm, I'm looking for feedback. Anybody? Think of some of the things Jesus told his disciples. Said how He said, the disciples said, hey, Master, if my brother come to me and he trespasses against me seven times in a day, how, how often should I forgive him of those trespasses? What did Jesus do on the cross? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. His disciples began to bicker back and forth. said, Master, what should we do if somebody slaps us on the cheek? He said, turn the other cheek. They said, Master, if the soldiers come, and this is one thing that really stood out to me when I worked at Chick-fil-A, I want, you to, I want you to ride with me for a minute. In Rome, Rome was the overwhelming power that was there in that land that day. And by law, by Roman law, if, if the Roman soldier came by and said, Hey, carry my pack. You had to carry that pack how far? One mile. You had to do it. I don't care if it was the direction you were going or not. You had to stop what you were doing, pick up that soldier's pack, and carry it for him one mile. And somebody asked Jesus, said, Jesus, do we have to follow through with that law? That's not the people of God's law. That's not the Israelites' law. That's the Roman law. You know what Jesus answered them? He said, I'm not telling you to go one mile, but if he bids you to go, I want you to go two miles. Blow his mind. He's expecting to make you mad. He's expecting to push your buttons. He said, but I'm telling you, don't let him push them buttons. But you pick up that that satchel and you carry that for him, and you keep a smile on your face, and you get to walking, and when you get to that one mile, he's going to expect you to stop and hand it over to him and say something rude to him and walk away. Look, they're human, folks. I'm not making this stuff up. Think of how you would feel. If somebody walked up to you out of the blue and said, "Hey, I'm tired of carrying my backpack. You carry this thing for me. By the way, you're required to do it for the next mile." <clears throat> you tell me you'd be excited about that. I got places to be, people to see. I got time to mess with this Roman soldier? Jesus said, look, you pick that thing up with a smile on your face. You put that thing on your back. And when you get to one mile, he said, don't you stop. Keep on going. Going above and beyond their expectation. That's how Christianity ought to be. You ought to blow the minds of those that are coming and asking for your help. They ask you for a specific need. And if you go above and beyond that need you got their attention i don't know none of that's on in my note by the way so freelancing i went the second mile <laughs> we've got to be willing to say hey i don't care what people think Christians are, I want to show them what they really are. I want them to realize Jesus still loves them. And the only way that they're going to know that he still loves them is only through the love that you showed them. So does that mean we got to stop on every street corner and hand 5 or $10 to the homeless guy on the side of the corner? I'm not saying you have to do that. God moves on you you probably ought to follow through with what God moves on you to do. I know there's a lot of scam artists out there on the side of those corners. I understand that. It is, it is exactly right. But I'll tell you this, I don't give it to every one of them. If I feel like I need to, I'll do it. That's it. Just a small little prompting in my spirit. All right, God. Roll the window down and hand them a $5 bill or something. I don't know. But I'll tell you this. I'm not going to do it to everybody. I'll tell you. <clears throat> can can I elaborate on this just a little bit? No, I'm going to anyway. Um I want you to consider this, and I don't know this firsthand. I was way young when this happened. In fact, I don't think I was born yet when this happened. In fact, I know I wasn't born yet because I wasn't born until 86, and this didn't happen in the new building. So my grandfather had picked up. He had taken over the church in Olathe, where my father-in-law is now. And they started in the old death club, which is now the Okta, off of Lula, in Olathe, and <coughs> they had to every night um, go every Sunday morning. It was it was the Deaf Club. You understand what I'm talking about? I thought every time I heard Deaf Club, I thought like you know they just got together and hung out and had a good you know just played bingo or something like that. That's why I'm thinking a club. You know, you no know, we're talking about. Deaf people clubbing. No, deaf. D E A F. Yeah, people that cannot hear. They had a deaf club. They were clubbing. That's where the deaf people met to drink, to party, and do what people do at clubs. And my grandma would tell me that they would have to go in every Sunday morning, sweep up the beer cans, the beer bottles, sanitize everything. She said it smelled like a beer factory. She said we did our best. We'd try to get there about 6 in the morning. Church started at 10. She said we would start dumping bleach on the floors and all the stuff to try to get the alcohol smell out of the building so we could have church. (coughs) and you know back then it wasn't illegal to smoke inside of a building so a public building so there there was that as well but they didn't have to pay rent for that place from what i understood and so they they just counted it a blessing and kept on going but one day my grandfather was headed to church and as he was heading there there was a man walking down the road and he, he told, Brother Mays reminded me of this story a few, few months ago. and he told, he told my grandma when he got to church, he said, you know, I can't get that guy that I saw walking down the road off my mind. He so said, I wonder if I should go back and see him, talk to him. My grandma said, LD, you can't do that. church time. We're going to be late for service. He said, all right. So he said, I started church. He said, we got to singing. He He said, we got to worship. It was just me and mom, which he called my grandma mom all the time. Him and my grandma and my Aunt Teresa were there. Nobody else had showed up. And he said, while I'm singing, it's just eating at me. I should have picked that man up. Should have picked him up. And he finishes singing, and guess what? He walks through the back door. And he starts preaching. And he told my grandma, he said, after church that night, he said, I'm I, I made up in my mind. I had already messed up once. I should have picked him up. But he's here at the church now. He said, I'm gonna preach with everything I got to reach for that man. And he said, I ever more preached. And as he preached, he gave it all he had. And he told somebody, he said, I preached like I, I hadn't preached in a long time. He said, I felt like I was preaching at a conference. And it was just four people in that building. He said, after church, I got to talking to the guy, found out some stuff about him. And I said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you down to the hotel. I'm going to put you in that room. And he did. And uh, he told him, he said, I'm going to let you sleep tonight. He said, I'll come by in the morning. I'll pick you up. We'll go eat some breakfast. And then I'll take you down to the bus stop or whatever else we need to do. Sorry if I'm taking too long. But Grandpa got up the next morning. He drove down to the hotel. And he... Was knocking on that guy's door. He said he knew what room he was in. He's knocking on his door, let him know, hey, I'm here. No rush, just come on out when you're ready. And we'll go eat breakfast. He's knocking on the door. No, no answer. So my grandpa went back and went and talked to the guy at the front desk. He said, "Hey, I, I put this guy in this room last night." He said, "He was walking down the road. He's he's homeless. He's trying to get to a certain place." And He said, I I don't know. He said, I don't know about his health. He said, but he's not answering that door. He said, can you let me in that room? I want to make sure he's okay. And he got back, opened the door. When they walked in, that room had not been disturbed. No sign of anybody sleeping on the bed. No sign of the, the facilities being used whatsoever. My grandpa said, Sister Renee, I believe that God sent an angel to try me and see how I would handle somebody that had nothing to offer the church. He said, God sent me an angel. And he said, since that day after that, every service they never ceased to have two or three visitors in their services every single time the doors were opened because he was willing to press past what the visuals were saying. Oh, this guy's going to take you for your money, and this guy's going to run off, and he's going to mess you around. Let me tell you something, folks. If I feel like I need to do something, I'm going to do it. And if that individual don't ever show up back in this church again, so be it. God knows. And every time we do stuff like this, God's keeping a running tally. There's no better bookkeeper than God. We're still talking about holiness, folks. This is holy living. This is depending upon that spirit that calls us and drives us. Look, there's hungry souls in this community that need help, folks. And they're looking for people that are not fake. They're looking for people that have something that's real, something that is compassionate, something that says, hey, I love you, even though you look scrungy and you stink, I don't care. I still want you saved. I've got to see you saved amen well praise God this went way different than I expected it to but we've got to be sensitive it's normal (laughs) maybe I should expect the unexpected and then maybe I get the expected I don't know but God is faithful folks and there are people God puts into each and every one of our lives who knows that they were just put there to see if you would listen to the call of the Holy Ghost to work in their life. There may be a time where you have to pick somebody up off the side of the road and say, hey. Or you get a phone call from a loved one saying, hey, my friend is messed up over here. And you get this overwhelming... Sensation that says, Hey, I've got to go help in this situation. Guess what? It may take you away for a night. You may lose some sleep that night. But when it's all said and done, you sitting there with that person, most likely you're sitting there and you're praying with that person. They may not be cognitive of what's going on, but I can promise you this the Holy Ghost knows. And the spirits that are, they're dealing with in those moments, I don't care if they're high, I don't care if they're drunk, I don't care if they're just just out of their mind, I don't, I don't care what the situation may be. Whatever spirits they're dealing with, when there's a Holy Ghost person there praying in their midst, those devils, they get nervous. Let me tell you, there's a lot of folks in this community and these communities around here. Over in Garnett, I know the same stuff. They need God. I didn't come down here to try to reach the religious folks around here. If they come on in and they get a revelation of, of truth, then great. I'm excited about that. But you know what I came down here to do is I came to minister to those that were lost. I came to reach those that were Seeking change in their life that need help. And every time I search the scriptures, I find that's exactly what Jesus called us to do. He was accused of fellowshipping with sinners, which wasn't really an accusation because that's what he was doing. Why? His response was, those that are whole don't need a physician. But those that are sick, those that need help, they're the ones that I've come to seek and to save. And most of the time, those that are already sitting on a church pew somewhere, they've already got it all figured out, and they don't want to hear nobody else teach them from the scripture. Hey, you may be missing some things. I'm not saying that everybody that uh, I don't want to have to qualify everything I say, but I want you to understand. There are people sitting on other church pews that really have a desire to learn the things of God. And yes, I want to reach them. But I'm not going from church to church saying, hey, you, you guys are wrong. You shouldn't be teaching this and you shouldn't be teaching that. That's not an example. That's not what Jesus did. He just reached to those that are, that were hurting. You know why? Because he could help them. Because they would reach out to him. And I, I haven't been a fan of of this whole chosen movies thing that they got out there. Too many discrepancies in the scripture that I I I saw in some other things. And I haven't been a huge fan of it, but I'll tell you this I saw a small clip the other day of what they put together for the woman with the issue of blood. Any of y'all saw that? It was just a small clip on Facebook that came across my feed. Man, I'll tell you what. That was good. That was good. To see, I never considered this part. This is where I I think the good part came out of it because I never considered this part. You understand when a woman has an issue of blood, she's unclean. That's why she was only after the edge of his garment. That's wild. I didn't see that part. I just I saw the part where it, it left off where she was talking to the Lord and, and, and they said He she's unclean And Jesus stood up and he looked around and she, he said She is she is clean And he proclaimed that she was clean Yes I understand that His clothes would still be unclean But they can't be But they can't they can't be because if they were to take her and to test her, there was no proof of uncleanness. Jesus was several times accused, consider it, of being unclean. He touched the lepers. He touched the lepers. But the one that is complete, the one that has all power, When he touches them, uncleanness didn't transfer from them to him. The cleanness of his righteousness transferred from him to them. you got to understand, when the Holy Ghost comes in your life, why do you feel so much different? Because the one that can step into any situation, now I've got to stop, but the one who can step in any situation, the holy one, cannot be transferred. Our sins, only his holiness, when he touches me, can change me. That's why he could just look at him and say, "Hey, <laughs> the woman in the that, that caught, was caught in the midst of adultery." Consider that. Consider it. He had every right to say, hey, put her to death. But he said, no. By the time he got done, there were none. Because everyone was a sinner. There was only one that day that was standing before her. That's a whole other subject. It was, it was a whole, that whole situation was a bad deal. It, it was, they, they were trying to get Jesus caught up in his words, and they were trying to trick him up, trip him up. But I can tell you this much. She reached out. Everybody that that woman had touched that day, the woman with the issue of blood, and that woman with the issue of blood had touched many people, getting to Jesus. the bible doesn't say anything else about that other than the fact of they can they couldn't prove that they were unclean now because the one that had touched them was no longer unclean no no name again there's 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 pieces to that and i want to make that clear it is a show it is a show. All I can say is I never considered the unclean part until I saw their statement about the unclean. I was like, oh, man, that's, that's pretty good because the one that can make her clean declared she was clean. In fact, when before she left, he, he, he looked at her and said, daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. So if there were any other things wrong with her, that came as a result of her illness, by him saying she was whole, she's now completely healed and restored the things that she lost during that illness. That's the God we serve. And there's a lot of broken people out there that, you know, you and I would consider well, that person's not right. That person's dirty. That's filthy. You got to be careful. Because Paul said, and such were some of you. That's what he said. And whatsoever judgment you will judge them with, you shall be judged with. Judgment in like manner. Consider. How do you want God to judge you? I want to be Christ-like. I want him to say, hey, they love people. And people need us. And we need people. Because God called us to minister to people. In fact, The group Kane wrote a song, and I I really enjoy listening to that song, is people need people. People need people. I can't survive a day without each and every one of you, and vice versa. Amen. Praise God. Well, glory to God. He knows. He knows. There's going to be a day, the Bible said, that the book of life will be opened, and the books. I believe my name's there. But not only does my name need to be there, my life needs to be a depiction of the books that he's going to judge me from. with me today not only do you have to be in the book of life that's beautiful it has to happen if your name's not in there you're not going but the second part of that is he's going to judge our lives via the books that he gave us he said in the end my word shall be the judge and I want to make sure that I'm living my life accordingly. Amen. Well, God bless you. Um, let's take a moment to refresh ourselves. And then let's spend some time in prayer. and Let God have his way today. Amen. Praise God. Let's have good church.